0: From API, this is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm your host, Jane Van Ryan. Much of the political discussion in Washington these days involves the climate bills being considered in Congress. Multiple studies suggest that the cost of these bills could be enormous, especially for the refining industry. Alan Gelder of Wood Mackenzie, a research and consulting firm, recently conducted a study on the potential impact of climate legislation on refiners, and he's on the telephone with us today. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. Before we discuss your findings, let's explain to our listeners that this is an independent study. Uh, to my knowledge, it wasn't commissioned by any company, including any refiners. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's correct. It's part of our ongoing research analysis of the energy sector. Um, and it's something that we cover for our clients, which includes oil companies, financials, and people interested in the energy sector.
0: Well, let's talk directly about your study now. It indicates that U.S. refiners could face huge costs under the climate legislation that has been proposed. Can you summarize your findings, please?
1: Yes, certainly. Um, The costs that the refiners face could be enormous. And that's driven by two aspects of of sort of the proposed legislation. The first one is the requirement for refiners to pay for their stationary emissions, i.e. the carbon dioxide that they emit as a result of processing the crude. That forms one element. The second one, and the much more significant one, is that the refiners will need to pay for the carbon emissions associated with the fuels that they produce. Which means they could be looking at a potential bill of the order of 100 billion US dollars per year. That's based on uh, an assessment, our assessment of numbers developed by EIA and EPA, in which we assess that the refining industry could need to purchase 2,000 million. Credits, and we have an expectation that in the medium term, the cost of a credit could be of the order of $50 a ton, and so 100 billion is simply the multiplic- multiplication of those two figures. So 2,000 million and $50 a ton comes up with 100 billion US dollars.
0: That's billion with a B.
1: Yes.
0: Is that even conceivable? based on what you know about U.S. refiners?
1: It certainly goes beyond their ability to pay.
0: How would those costs compare to the impact of similar legislation on overseas refiners in the European Union, for example?
1: If we think about overseas refiners, the European Union is currently the only region in which refiners will bear similar costs. So when we're looking at overseas refiners, we have to be conscious that there's only a limited part of the international refining landscape is exposed to, a similar, to similar costs. Now, for the European Union, again, there is a process of legislation that is ongoing and that is evolving, but the European Union are likely to only need to pay towards their stationary emissions, i.e. the emissions associated with processing the crude into transportation fuels and they are not exposed to the carbon content of the transportation fuels they produce. Furthermore, we expect that they will receive a significant portion of their credit requirements as part of the free allocation. So they will have, relative to the US, they will have limited exposure to effectively carbon legislation. And so, if we look at the US refiners and their competitive landscape, which is comprised of Europe and other, in, other overseas refiners, for the Europeans, they will have some exposure to carbon legislation. For refiners elsewhere, be that in Latin America or the Middle East, they will have no such exposure.
0: So, as a result, they would have a competitive advantage? Correct, yes. Okay. Now, would either of the bills in Congress today, the Waxman-Markey bill passed by the House or the Kerry-Boxer bill in the Senate, have any significant impact on demand for oil products, such as gasoline and diesel fuel?
1: That is a fascinating question. In in the work that we've done, we've just looked at a period for 2015 where we're coming up with the expectation of carbon costs of the order of $50 a tonne. When we look at those costs, the impact on price isn't sufficient, we don't see, to have a huge impact on demand. As you go further out, and some of my colleagues are speculating on some much higher carbon numbers, towards the end of the legislative period, 2030, then price could well have an impact on demand. But for the 2015 period, which was the the analysis covered in sort of the study that we did, we expect other legislation to have a greater impact on demand, notably sort of the the requirement on improving vehicle efficiency.
0: Well, what about supplies? How would you describe the impact on fuel supplies?
1: That could be more disruptive, and that's primarily because the refining landscape is a global competitive environment. And so, there are two issues with current bills as they go through. the first one is the provisions only cover interstate trade, so it is not clear to us that the intrastate provision has been has been eradicated and what we mean by this is from our re- from our reading of the legislation, it could be possible that a, some, a an enti- legal entity could import, say, products into a state, and then if they sell all those products within that state, they could be exempt. Should that be the case, that would be hugely disruptive for the U.S. refining industry, you know? If that provision is closed, and so all import into the U.S. carry the need for ca- carbon credits associated with the um, carbon content of the fuel then US refiners will still be disadvantaged because they are ge- going to need to purchase credits for the vast majority of their stationary emission emissions whereas the international refiners the overseas refiners do not. so what it means is that there will be a greater degree of competition from imp- competition by import or potential imports from overseas refinances.
0: Now, Alan, you've looked at both bills, the Waxman-Markey bill and the Kerry-Boxer bill. How do they actually compare with one another?
1: To the level of analysis that we've done, they're broadly similar yeah, in terms of the credits that they're allocating to the industry and the overall reductions they're targeting. So for the outlook for 2015 that we provided, there is very little difference.
0: But these bills aren't the only threats to the U.S. refining industry, of course. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency is considering its own carbon emission regulatory actions. What do you see the threat there? Uh, what, What do you think could happen there?
1: The threat for the EPA involvement would be more around managing or constraining demand because they're likely to move and require things like best available technology to be deployed, which would promote the efficiency of various (laughs) equipment or vehicles, which would put downward pressure on demand. That, hence, then has an implication on the refining industry as it reduces the amount that they need to supply.
0: Sounds like a double whammy is perhaps lining up here. Would you agree? Um,
1: Potentially, though I I am not sure if the EPA will act if the carbon legislation is passed, but there is the, there is the potential for disruption on the supply and also for the legislation or standards or requirements that also reduce the amount.
0: And Alan, we ought to say as well that all of this is taking place at a time when the economic downturn already is for the refining sector. Demand for fuels is down now. Third quarter earnings indicate that refiners are hurting. So what do you think of the timing of these proposed government actions?
1: Uh, for the industry, the ti- it, these actions couldn't have come at a worse because their ability to finance, you know, finance these additional costs or perhaps invest to mitigate some of those costs is very challenging under the current environment.
0: All right. Well, that'll have to be the last word. Alan Gelder, thank you so much. I wish we had better news for refiners today, unfortunately, but obviously we don't. Uh, But thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio.
1: My pleasure. Thank you very much for giving me the, providing me the opportunity to talk to you.
0: Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.